Welcome to the Legal One podcast, brought to you by Legal One, the leader in school law training in the state of New Jersey. Legal One is part of the NJPSA and FEA family, so we are thrilled to be offering this podcast to you as a way to help you gain a greater understanding of critical legal issues. We want to provide you with convenient, easy access to essential information. Each episode is 30 minutes or less, so it provides a timely way for you to get information. In each episode, we're going to be reviewing critical legal principles based on case law, statute, regulation, or other key guidance. We'll talk about why that issue matters today and how the law has evolved. We'll talk about key steps in working with parents and other critical stakeholders to positively address the issues in question. And we'll give you more information. We'll give you resources so that you can access online courses and other events and know how to get a greater level of understanding of these issues. So let's get started. And thank you so much for joining us for the Legal One podcast. Welcome to the Legal One podcast. My name is Sandra Jakes, and I am the Supervisor of Legal Research and Content Development for Legal One. Today's podcast episode is part of Legal One's Summer 2021 podcast series regarding New Jersey schools and the law. Today, we are discussing student learning loss issues and state requirements for graduation. This podcast is being recorded in June of 2021, and all discussions of issues are current as of that time. As always, this podcast serves as an overview discussion of issues and does not constitute legal advice. Today I have with me two special guests. First, we have John Farinella, who is also an attorney. He is the NJPSA Legal Counsel, and he has more than 25 years of experience in public schools, serving as a teacher, vice principal, and principal prior to joining NJPSA's legal team. Welcome, John. Thank you, it's my pleasure to be here and join you this afternoon. Our second special guest today is Rosa Chera, immediate past president and legislative chairperson for NJPTA. Welcome, Rose. Thank you, Sandra, and I look forward to also being here today and, and discussing this important topic on student learning loss issues and state requirements for graduation. Thanks for having us. It's always great to have you here. And I will say for those of you listening, when you access the materials, not only can you get a copy of the PowerPoint that would follow along with what we're talking about today, but there will also be a list of resources with links that you can click on to get additional information that John Farinello put together as an excellent resource to use. So at this point, I will turn the conversation over to John and let him talk about addressing learning loss issues and state requirements for graduation. Thank you very much, Sandra, and welcome to everyone on today's podcast. Learning loss is an issue that we're all talking about right now, but I want to start the conversation today by saying this. As a teacher, as a principal, as an educator, learning loss is a temporary event, and we all talk about being lifelong learners. This is a transition phase that we are now in, moving back to restarting our schools. So I want to build the conversation that, that I want to talk about today on, on the theme of uh, which I call the ABCs of beginning again in our school in the post-COVID era. Now, this theme is not my theme. It's from a book written by Daniel Pink uh, called To Sell as Human. He talks about moving an idea and an organization in, in this book, and he talks about three, th three areas of focus. He talks about attunement, buoyancy, and clarity. And I'm going to focus on those three areas today in the context of our podcast. So let me get, get going here and talk about attunement. If you're going to restart your school, you need to build confidence. People don't do anything that they don't believe in in this world. And part of that means you have to explain very clearly, precisely, 
and demonstrate to all folks that they believe in your mission, what you're planning, and how it will unfold. So to start, as we move back into in-person instruction, I say to all of you parents, to educators, be attuned to what's happening. What should you look for? You need to know your community. You need to know its identified needs. You need to know your program. You need to have a clear vision of what learning should look like in this restart. You also need to know all of the players, all of the individuals, all of the stakeholders, students, teachers, parents, administrators, and there are many others out there that make the school function effectively. So with that being said, I think we need to go into reopening our schools, at least with a concern or, or an awareness that students will be anxious about the physical location of returning to school. Students will be anxious about being around many people. Uh, so are their parents and, and others. Many students, not all, will feel academically unprepared to start school for a variety of reasons. Again, parents are going to be anxious. Teachers are going to be anxious. It's going to be important that we recognize that and not let that create panic, but allow us to move forward. So let me start by this premise. The most important thing you can do in your school, and I think in life, is create hope. And principals, teachers, faculty members, students, they create hope by how the school operates. So it, it's important that as you restart your school, as you prepare to reopen over the summer, that you think about how you create hope in your school. And special words such as success equals vision plus energy or success plus excellence equals a winner are just two examples of ways to help start off with a vision, a focus. Certainly, you need much more than words to run a school, but you need that type of starting point or framework. So let's talk about some talking points in your school as you move forward. It's important to talk about the future from a perspective of engendering hope on a regular basis. You need to maximize areas of strength in your school community. It's important that you reestablish and introduce shared expectations for the future. And it's important that you have a focus on developed and, and articulated meaningful academic and career goals for all students. So moving away from attunement, let me talk about buoyancy. There are many forces that can sink or float your school or, or, or a district. And it's important that we stay afloat and we have positive buoyancy. So there, there are a lot of forces out there. I'm just going to name a couple. One of them is money, staffing, philosophy, and also just an overall mission, vision, goals, beliefs that drive the culture and climate in your school. School needs to be strategically organized. It's important as you seek to reopen and, and have positive buoyancy that you have a strategic plan for reopening. You have goals. You know where you want to go you have desired outcomes, you know how you're going to get there, you, you have to measure your targets along the way as you're moving towards your end goals, and you really want to define what results can and look like, and always be in a position to be flexible in how you move forward so that something doesn't get missed or, or something doesn't get lost along the way. Schools are complex organizations, and they require folks to really have big picture as well as more focused short-term goals and, and initiatives. So once we get past that piece, I want to take us really to the place, why do schools exist? The mission of a school is to deliver program and curriculum. It's the reason why folks come to work. It's the reason why schools exist. And that's the focus of your strategic planning, the focus of your strategic goals. And let me just talk a little bit about what that means in terms of curriculum. 
we all know about the courses and the subjects that folks study, and we talk about that as the formal curriculum. That's important. But now in the age where learning loss has occurred because perhaps students have not moved forward at the same rate that they otherwise would have had we not suffered through this pandemic, we have to be sensitive to the fact that our formal curriculum may have to look different. We may have to adjust our learning objectives. I don't, I, and I don't mean lessen the intensity or focus or mastery levels for our students, but we may have to change the way we deliver them, where we change our scope and sequence of what we teach and how we teach it. That's important. There's also a, a, an informal curriculum in our school, which really complements what happens in our classrooms, and it often provides incentives for why kids even come to school. And that deals with our co-curricular activities, our extracurricular programs, other, any other activity that you can think of, contests, clubs, that help students want to be there and feel comfortable being in the school setting with each other. And, and then let me finally say, inside a school, well, we have this formal and informal curriculum, but there's also this hidden curriculum. It's really the norms and unofficial values and beliefs and perspectives that exist within a school. They can look different, and I think they will look different as schools restart. I think we all need to be attuned to that and, and focus on trying to understand any changes in the hidden curriculum or, or culture in our buildings. Well, what does that mean? I mean, that may mean, for example, just in a very simple level, what are norms for turning in assignments? How will we complete them? For, for, for the past year, we've been having kids turn things in at 12 o'clock at night. Now, some schools have been doing that for years, but others, teachers require kids to bring them to class, their assignments. Uh, there, there are lots of that's just one example. Cooperative groups may function differently. Folks may not want to be as close to their peers as they have in the past. And, and that's going to trickle into not only with students, but teachers, parents, principals, coaches, and any other stakeholder that, that's working in the school. So we want, to, we want to be sensitive to all of those facets. And the curriculum, it really is, in terms of the formal curriculum, what we teach and how we will teach it. Curriculum and instruction is, again, it's the primary reason why we're there. We're going to have to think about when students have gaps, how are we going to fill those gaps? And there is not one prescriptive right answer for that. And it's going to be different for every kid. It's going to be different depending on the nature of the learner, the nature of the, the content being taught, the level of learning loss that may exist. But most importantly, it's not, learning loss is not a terminal event. It's a temporary event. And we need to continue to know that it is correctable and that all of the delays are addressable if we work hard and focus on the positive aspects of the learning opportunities that now we, we now have in front of us. So that's going to shift me to the last piece of the ABCs here, and that's focusing on clarity. As we move into our school year, we need to be clear for all stakeholders about expectations, uh, beliefs. Safety is going to be a concern for everyone. Are they going to feel safe? And, and that's going to take a lot of different forms. Uh, certainly physical safety is going to be one of them, but intellectual safety, academic safety. Many students, I think, uh, as I said earlier, may feel that they're unready for the next step. And it's going to be our job to help bolster that confidence and create the belief that notwithstanding whatever has happened over the past year, you can succeed. And that's very, very important to sustaining and moving forward with a positive school culture and a positive level of, of learning and progress in our schools. So um, I talk about sustainability there in this slide. And just briefly, again, I say you tune in, uh, you, you 
make sure your, your forces that, that handle your curriculum delivery are, are positive, and you make sure that all of the aspects of, of your school really focus on, on winning themes and, and well-planned outcomes. And um, there's a question here about district spending federal funds. I can tell you that there have been many discussions that have gone on at the state level, at the national level, at the local level on how best to address learning loss, how to get our schools reopened, and how to create a new normal that will allow schools, parents, kids, all to be confident, and for, at the end of the day, for kids to thrive and get what they need out of our public schools. And, and I think that that's important. Know that the decisions that are being made by educators, especially at the local level in terms of how funds are being spent, are, are um, in tune with what the needs of the community are, and they're different for every community and every school. So what one, what one town may be doing or what one school may be doing may look different, but that's only because the educators involved, the, the stakeholders involved, the parents who have been involved in the conversation about how to restart the school, how to get the most out of the school as we restart for our students, really has driven the conversation and the decision to spend funds in a certain way. And I think as parents, if, as I'm talking to the parents right now, Focus on what your child needs. And I think it's important to know that we do not need to reinvent the wheel in terms of supports for kids in our schools. Schools have always had very, very significant resources available for kids to address different types of learning needs. And you may have heard some of these phrases. There are intervention and referral services. There are special education related services. There are other types of counseling, whether it's clinical counseling or academic counseling services that exist in, in our schools. And they have very well-organized processes to help parents be part of the conversation so that their children can interact with their teachers, that parents can act, interact with their teachers in a manner which leads to a positive result. And I think it's very important that as we move into trying to get the most for our children, that you focus on the needs of your child, talk with your child on a regular basis, really know what they're thinking and feeling as they're coming home every night at the dinner table to talk with you. And that will help you to have a conversation that can make a difference should there be an issue or concern about academic progress or any other social, emotional, mental health need that may exist in, in, inside the context of what your child needs. I think that's very important. So let me talk about graduation requirements. Now, I worked at the high school level for my, my whole career. I was a high school principal. And graduation and, and the whole process of going to school really is, I use the word mosaic. It, it's it's pre-K through 12 experience. Graduation day is a result of of all of that work that's been done, all of that learning, all of that intensity that your child has participated in over a lifetime of exposure with different teachers, experiences, activities. And here again, I wanna say that it's very important, I said early in the, in the conversation, it's important to have academic career and life goals. I think those really need to be vetted now as we move back into our schools to understand what your child needs and is feeling at this time so that they can take the steps necessary to make the most out of their next year in school. And it will look different for a very young student as opposed to a student who's a senior in high school. 
And I think I'm probably most concerned about some of the kids and really early in the, in, the, in the cycle who are starting to learn to read and may have missed some time because reading is really one of the keys to, to success in school. And I think there are probably parents of very young children who are just learning to read probably going to have to really be attuned and read to their children and know and understand that level of progress. Uh, for kids that where the school has some metrics on the kid, there'll be more data, even if it's a year old, to know and understand where to pick up where things need to, to go forward. I think it's important to know that the kids need to feel that they can be successful, even if they've missed something along the way in the past year. And again, learning loss is a temporary event, and it's one that if everybody digs in and focuses on what the individual child needs, you will be able to succeed and be successful not only in the short term, but you'll get to your academic life and career goals along the way. The only open question right now in terms of high school graduation is the, the issue of a testing requirement. And I, I just mentioned that briefly because we don't have any guidance or direction on this particular topic right now, and we anticipate that we will hear more going forward. But I've listed the location in the administrative code where high school graduation requirements are, are found. And if you took a look at that, you'll see very clearly, what are we talking about? We're talking about have, have students taken the right level of English, math, science, social studies, electives, and the other areas that are graduation requirements, including physical education. And that's something that students and parents have control over. We don't have control over necessarily of what state testing will look like. We shouldn't worry about what we can't control. We should worry and focus on what we can control. And that means taking the right courses, getting the right academic supports for the courses that we're enrolled in, and making sure that that goes forward with as much energy and enthusiasm and support that we can muster along the way. Great, John. Thanks a lot for that insight. So turning to Rose to bring the parent aspect into this, the first question I'll put to you is, how can schools and parents work together to promote a greater understanding of the parents' perspective of issues pertaining to student learning loss? So great question. And I have to say, you know, John, I heard you mention focus on what the child needs. And that really is very important when it comes to the parents working together to making sure that their perspective is heard uh, when it comes to um, learning loss. Um, it's so important that the parent is engaged with at the school board meetings. That is whether you contact the school board member individually through a letter or go to a board of ed meeting and let your voice be heard. There's probably other parents that may not want to speak up, but you can be that voice and hopefully get other parents also involved in the conversation. The state and local laws require that the parent perspective is at the table, is given an opportunity to talk about how to use the federal funds. So going to your school board meeting, talking to your superintendent is the, is the best place to begin that. Well, what about if a parent feels that their child requires assistance from the school district to catch up academically due to a perceived learning loss issue that occurred during the COVID school year? How should the parent address this issue with the school district? So the first thing I, I do want to mention again, you know, we, I kind of alluded to it in the other question, school districts are required to use at least 20% of the funds that they're getting 
to address that learning loss through evidence-based interventions that respond to students' academic, social, and emotional needs. This is all information that was shared in this, in this podcast. So, and then there's a list of other things that the remaining funds can be used for. But again, 20% has to be used for learning loss. So right now, as programs are being put together for the summer, I believe that a lot of school districts are starting to identify students that should be part of these programs. If you as a parent feel that your child would benefit from a program over this summer, and even as school begins, to, begins again after school um, on Saturday, different tutoring type programs, make your voice heard. Go and advocate for your child that you feel that your child has missed on something and that this program, these programs that are being funded through the American Rescue Plan Act would help them. So like I said, um, it's so important. Don't just wait for your child to be identified for these programs. Use your voice to advocate for your child. If you know that it's what your child needs, make sure that you go to the teacher, principal, even if you have to go up to the Board of Ed to make sure that they are part of these programs. If a parent has concerns as to how the school district is allocating federal or any other funding regarding COVID recovery, what should they do? So contact your superintendent and your board of education. They ultimately are going to vote to decide how the funds will be spent. And again, as I said, the stakeholder voice is important as part of these decisions. And one voice that has to be very, that has to be at that table is definitely the parent voice. At New Jersey PTA, and even through National PTA, we have resources that is, are, we're helping our members uh, figure out how they make sure that their voice is at the table and that they are lending their voice to make sure that the school district is using these funds for COVID recovery in the best way possible. Again, I'm gonna say it again. We have to all focus on what the child needs and make sure that these funds that have been made available, you know, the school districts are getting 90%. That's money that can go to some great causes that is being put where it's most needed in the school district. Well, I wanna thank John and Rose for being here. Before we sign off, John, do you have any final thoughts about our topic today? I just want to reiterate the importance of having uh, caring conversations with your child's teachers, principals, counselors, support staff, and, and, and folks that come to work every day for the purpose of making things go right for your, your child. And, and schools, public schools do work and they work well and we have resources and these additional resources are even going to be a blessing, I'm going to say it that way, to help restart the school. But I'm going to say this to close. Miami University football coach Bo Schembechler once said, every day you either get better or you get worse. You never stay the same. It's a fact. Schools are restarting with required in-person instruction in fall 2021. What does that really mean? To my eye, as a former principal, the slate has effectively been wiped clean as a result of the pandemic. We've had this gap, and this gap now allows us to move back and become bigger, faster, and stronger as educators, as parents as students inside the context of our schools. Is this a little scary or intimidating? Yes, but I will say this. We have an opportunity with our public schools to emerge, as I said, bigger, faster, and stronger if we welcome and accept our students back into our schools at whatever social, emotional, and academic levels they return to us. We have to look at failure as an opportunity to succeed in the future. I'm gonna say we're gonna keep in mind 
that the profile of the child who is graduating from the district, again, is a mosaic resulting from a marathon that started in pre-K and culminates in grade 12. The COVID-19 pandemic is part of the mosaic of the kids in our schools right now. And I'm gonna say this as well, in almost all cases, students should not be held back due to learning loss, rather a strategic series of interventions that fit within the time left within the district that the student has should occur in most cases. As with all things that I'm saying, this isn't a one size fits all statement. There are and should be exceptions to what I'm saying, but most kids can move forward, will catch up, can progress and be successful and on target and on time for their goals, uh, life goals, career goals, academic goals, and, and on to higher ed and, and post-secondary programming. So I, I leave you with that. I hope that leaves you with hope because that's the piece that I think we all need to start with and keep moving forward. Thanks very much for the opportunity, all of you. Thank you, John. Rose, how about you? Any final thoughts? I'd like to just say that, you know, PTA, our mission is to make every child's potential a reality, engaging and empowering families and communities to advocate for all children. And with that being said, our students have been through so much as they now come back to school, um, looking forward to September where, you know, up until now there has been a choice of, of that a parent has been able to make, whether they were um, remote or in school hybrid. But now as they come back to school in September, they will all be at different levels. Some have had a great support system through this pandemic and some have missed out on a lot that they knew once as their normal. And New Jersey PTA, we always just advocate and hope that teachers, parents, administrators, and Board of Ed members can work together to do what is best for all children so that we are, you know, again, together setting them up for success. Now more than ever, you know, family engagement and collaboration with the school will be so important. You know, John said it, there is no one size fits all. And it's just important that we work together to make sure that we are setting our children up for success. And like our mission says, to make every child's potential a reality. So just to wrap up, I wanna thank everyone for joining us for today's podcast. If you would like more information, you can go to the Legal One website, which is found at www.njpsa.org slash Legal One NJ. Or if you want more information from the NJPTA, you can go to their website at www.njpta.org. As always, thank you for being here, and I look forward to being with you the next time. Take care and be well. Thanks. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you would like more information on the topics we covered, a full list of episodes, or a preview of upcoming topics, please visit our website at www.njpsa.org legal1nj.